Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. How y'all doing? Come on now. Come on. It's night service. That means that you have had time to sleep. You've had plenty of coffee. So come on, let me hear you a little bit. Let me hear you a little bit. Now, come on. How many of y'all, I, I, don't, I know why you're tired, because the hogs, like, barely won, right? Uh, and uh, listen, it was so stressful. You're like, I have no cheer left in me. I have nothing left. Um, but no, seriously, you know, I, I think that it's important for us as we enter into worship, and I'm trying, I want to make sure that we, we as a culture, as a church, have a good balance. There is going to be days that you come to church that, yo, you barely made it in. You know, everything was saying, don't come. You know what I'm saying? Your bed's calling you. People have totally, like, frustrated you all week long. And the last thing you want to do, come on, is go to church for an hour and a half. But, but here's what I want to say, is that when you step into relationship with God, many times your relationship with God and the increase that he wants to do in your life is not going to be feelings-based. It's going to be obedience-based. In other words, he has asked me to do it, and when I do what I don't want to do, it begins to move me to a place that I never thought I could be more victory and freedom is on the other side of obedience. And so we don't agree with the word when we emotionally need it. We agree with the word because we know it's true. And so if we're not careful, listen, we do want an emotional part of our service. There's an emotional part of love. You would have never married without an emotional part. And so when we sing songs and we sing worship, and, you know, some of these songs you may not know, but, but after a while you'll learn them, and you'll be able to, to and, and all they are is the beginning of a conversation for you that you can begin to articulate, okay, man, there's been a lot of negativity, there's been a lot of criticism, there's been a lot of frustration, there's been moving and changing and all of these things, and this kind of recalibrates my mind. And, and, and here's the thing that I want to tell you is your relationship with God gets better as you become more secure in your identity of who you are. Okay? Let, let, let's talk about that. If the Bible tells us to sing out loud, but because of our past or because of our comfort level, and everybody has different comfort levels, there are people who are coming into church, they haven't been in church for a long, long time. And so we don't judge that. But God has freedoms that he wants us to move in. And, and what should happen is as we begin to know who he is, when we begin to meet the Father, accept forgiveness, we begin to start living free and seeing our purpose. Well, on the other side of purpose is this incredible praise, God, you are good, you've been with me, you've held me, like, I don't know how I made it through all of that, but it was you, come on, does anybody have that testimony, come on now, 
Come on. And so you may be in the, I've met God, I've heard a lot about him, he sounds like a cool dude. I'm starting to see where I've kind of messed up. And I'm starting to see kind of where, like I've held other people's mess ups against them. And actually I found that other people's mess ups towards me has been a prison for me. So I need to accept forgiveness for myself. And then I also need to start giving it to other people. So that I can be a little less burdened. Then I start practicing these concepts. Come on. Of freedom. And all of a sudden I'm stepping into purpose. Well then my worship is different. The way I interact with the Bible is different. The way I interact with the word. And so, and so here's the thing. Is you know we're teaching our four kids how to appreciate food. You know you have to teach that. Some people just naturally appreciate it. I was one of those natural children. I just loved food. But I've got two of my four that they are very picky when it comes to food. Anything green or grown in like a field, they're adamantly against. Does that make sense? Um, But I've got to teach them to try this. Teach them to try this. Come on. You got to go back to when you were a kid. I mean, would you ha- rather have something that looks like a leaf on a plant? Or would you rather have a Snickers? Let's go with Snickers every time. Come on, somebody. I mean, we ain't playing. We ain't playing games here. Okay? So, so here's the thing is we lay it before them. They say no. We lay it before them. They say no. We lay it before them. They say no. We lay it before them. They try it. It's not that bad. Still don't like it. We lay it before them. Okay, fine. We lay it before them. Okay, fine. Then they get married to someone who says, I love this. Okay, I'll eat it more. Is this true? Before I was married, I had two vegetables that I liked. Potatoes and carrots. Come on. Listen, my wife was like, try this. What is that? You know what I'm saying? Come on. Listen, all I'm saying is that's what's happening in church all the time. We're laying it before you. Uh-huh. Laying it before you. Uh-huh. Laying it before you. Uh-huh. Laying before you. Okay, I'll sing. Oh, laying it before you. And then all of a sudden, you're like, Wow. I didn't know it could be that good. That's why consistency in church and coming a lot. It's not about miracle revelations every Sunday. I hope that happens to you. But there are miracle revelations and then there is the obedience and discipline of walking in what was revealed And that is always a whole lot longer than the initial revelation of what it could be. And so for us, we're going to be a body that engages. We're going to be a body that takes note. We're going to be a body that worships. That's why we do all that we do. Uh, This is not a show up here. We're trying to create an environment where, listen, you can focus on the Lord. And we know that everybody's at different levels of Man, you know what? I didn't grow up in that. 
We grew up in like one acoustic guitar or a lady on a keyboard. And we, we sung like these three hymns. And we never changed. Like we're the same ones. And we, 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 we didn't so much. We didn't even use the book numbers. We just, we just knew them. Okay? But in this, here's the thing. The goal is not how you grew up. It's what unlocked you that was a moment that you could connect with God. And that's what we're trying to do in worship. I'm glad that you're here. We're going to jump into uh, continuing on with our exceedingly abundant sermon series. And I just need to look at, let's just look at someone, if you don't mind, even someone that you don't know. Don't, don't give them like the crazy, awkward, you know, sketchy eyes like, that, that's weird. It's weird, and they probably won't be back. I might not be back. Um, but why don't you just say, neighbor, wasn't really that convincing. Felt like a little not neighborly. Just say, neighbor, be ready. Be ready. Be ready. You got to stay ready. You got to stay ready. In life, you, you don't know what's going to happen. You got to be ready. I I, 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 I remember when the year started out, God kind of spoke to my spirit and was like, hey, you know, I really want you to begin to communicate this exceedingly abundant phrase uh, to the church. And I was like, okay. And I was ready because when you hear in exceedingly abundantly in your heart and your spirit, when you're reading stuff and you're like, exceedingly abundantly, you're thinking, increase, grow, ah, I'm dead. You know, it's like, yeah. Um, but then 2021 was crazy. You know, life ever feel like a roller coaster to you? Where you like, you get on it and it's like ticking up slow and you're like, this is great. I can see the trees. You know what I'm saying? I'm so far away from people. <laughs> this is wonderful. And then it goes, and it takes off, and you're like, <laughs> and, and isn't that life? Like It's like some, some moments you're like, it's great. It's good. It's terrible. <laughs> I hate it. It's great. I mean, and it's just like, it's just like you're on a roller coaster. I'll never forget, uh, we took a young man uh, many years ago uh, to Silver Dollar City, uh, Mr. Reverend Devin Cheatwood, uh, and uh, I'm gonna tell y'all, we I took we took him to Silver Dollar City. Our kids love Silver Dollar City, and so we ride rides. I, I used to live in Waco, so it was right by uh, Six Flags, Dallas. Well, not right by, but we, we were we went all the time. And so we're talking, we're going to this first ride, and he's like, I, I, I'm feeling weird. I'm like. I got nervous. I'm like, oh, you'll be fine. Oh, I'm not even thinking about it. I'm an eight. I'm like, push. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what are you talking about? It's going to be great. You're going to love it. And he's like, I don't know about. So what does it do? It just arrived. You just, you'll, you'll leave and be at the same place when you're done. And, uh, and he was like, and, and this is fun? I was like, it's so fun. And he was like, I don't like rides. And I was like, you don't like rides? He was like, well, I've never really been on a ride. And I was like, well, then you can't say you. And can, I, can I just pause? If you're here today, I just want to help you. Don't say you don't like something if you've never tried something. Can we just say that? Can we just say that? Because you actually don't know if you don't like it. 
And so you, if you try it and you don't let I me mean, look, you gag, then you don't like it. And, and we get that. But some people pre-gag. Because they assume they're not going to like it. Be honest. How many of you know those people? Don't point them out. But, but they, they, they already, the gag reflexes are... And even if they like it, they've already programmed their whole body that they're not going to like it. And, and they've communicated that to the room. So he was like, I don't think I'm going to like this. And I was like, oh, sure you're going to and, and we get in, and he's holding on really tight. And, and, I, and I look at him, and I say, be ready. And he's like, ready for what? Went, and we took off. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was powder keg. That was his first ride. And, uh, and so here's the deal. I, I do think that, I, I, you know, not Saul in the Bible threw spears to David. And that was a way of training David. Um, to get out of the way when spears come. And really, David was a really great warrior because he knew how to move out of spears. So he like lived for a long time. And uh, I got Devin ready for the ministry <laughs> by putting him on a roller coaster. And subsequently, he doesn't like roller coasters now. So if you ever want to bless him, uh, don't, don't get him... Uh, tickets to a roller coaster because he's not going to go. I think that sometimes we really do have to deal with the ups and the downs and the, the backwards and forwards and the, the quick jerks and tweaks of life that sometimes you feel like it's totally knocks you out of alignment and yet you have to keep going. I believe that there are some people coming into the church that maybe they have not been in church for a while or only in church as a child, and they're coming in, and they're getting their faith ignited, and they're, super, they're learning everything for the, for the first time, and it's incredible to see because God's just opening their eyes, and it's incredible. But there's another group that has been on the ride for a while. And they've seen Christians fall. They've seen people leave. They've seen hurt happen. And what happens when you're on a ride, now that my wife and I are a little older, we can do about two or three rides and we're done. But we embrace ourselves for the curves. Come on, how many of y'all know when, when I was a kid, I was like, ah. I was, this is part of it. It's like the free part. You know? But now I'm like, <laughs> I'm like locked in. I'm making sure my thighs are, I'm like positioned. I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like lower stand. I'm like, not, you know? I'm like not moving at all because I'm positioned. And I think what happens in life is you begin to position yourself not to get hurt. You begin to position yourself not to open up. You begin to position yourself because you know the ride's going to be crazy. And you begin to build these walls. And you begin to, I'm going to life group. I'm going to start serving church. 
and, and, and there are times that you, you feel like you've kind of been caught. <laughs> There's always that crazy picture of you're like. <laughs> and, and I just want to tell you, here is the damage that that will do. The maturity of that is you know that people are imperfect. And nobody can meet every demand. Because we're all dealing with our humanity. But the bad part of that is that we can stop giving because we don't want to be hurt. Like I'm not going to give that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to invest. I'm not going to because I don't want to get hurt again. I don't know if I can go through that again. And here's the thing, all throughout the Bible, it was about giving. God gave life to man. <sighs> giving. Uh, Jesus got all the disciples, and he, the Bible says he breathed in them the breath of life, and they received the Holy Spirit. That's in John. Gave. Jesus gave his life. The disciples gave their life. There's nowhere in the Bible where giving is not part of the DNA of a believer. So I would suggest to you that we got to be very, very careful that we don't let seasons, that we don't let situations, and that we don't let, let the, the ride of life put us in a position where we are no longer able and willing to give. Here's a verse that I think will help you with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 through 14. Before I read it, just go ahead and leave it up there. We'll leave it up there for a little while, uh, Delaney. But the story of Abraham is what we've been walking through. We started in Genesis 11 and we began, we've begun to unfold the story of his life. And, and I know I'm going to say Abraham. It's not Abraham yet. He's about to go into covenant. That's the next chapter. But just, just kind of roll with me. It's Abram. I know it's Abram. You know it's Abram. But I'm just going to say Abraham. Uh, uh, and so... We're seeing this journey, this roller coaster of his life. Hey, leave, leave your city. Leave your father's house. Go to Canaan. He stops in Haran. His dad dies there. Then he leaves and goes, finally gets into Canaan. And there's a famine in the land. So he goes to Egypt, sells his wife. Not good. Then leaves. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of up and down. And, and, and the end of chapter 13... Of Genesis, Lot and Abram have beef. Okay? I mean, they really did have some sort of beef. Uh, uh, there was cattle. And uh, I, you got to stay with me. Don't sleep on me. Because something will be really funny and you'll miss it. And I'm not saying it again. Um, and so the herdsmen had a fight. And Lot was like, I'm out. And so he leaves. And we pick up Genesis 14. And I think the thing that is the most important to me, even in the position that I'm in as a pastor, is this chapter 14 is super challenging. Because what we're going to find out is even though Lot left, Abraham still fought for him. 
even though Lot essentially wanted to separate himself from Abraham, when there was trouble with Lot, Abraham came running. Abraham was a giver. We, we will advance the story and we know that he gives his son as a type and shadow of what God did for us through Jesus. So it's safe to say we know Abraham's a giver. But before we get into the text, I want to read this for you. It says this, but I say this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap. Come on, say it. One, two, three. Well, you may be sitting here and go, actually, Stephen, I'm doing pretty good in my career. But, but here's what I would suggest to you or submit to you. What if you are not doing to the rate and the speed that God has on your life? Like, is God have something at a whole nother level for you, but you have confined it into what you make, but God's trying to, how do you, how do you get a family and turn it into a nation without sowing incredible seeds? How do you take a guy who leaves his dad and then now we're singing songs about Father Abraham has many sons. My point is that if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. It doesn't say you won't reap. It just says you won't reap to the level of the purpose and capacity on your life. But those that sow bountifully, they're going to reap what? Come on, say it. Bountifully. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a bountiful reaper. And I don't want to reap based on what culture says or what my W-2s say. I want to get into heaven and go, hey, when God is talking to me, he's like, Stephen, listen, you sowed to the level I gave you seed. And you bountifully, come on, listen, were blessed because of what you gave. So let each one give as he purposes in his own heart. We are in a, all in a process of transformation. And it's, it's, it's very interesting that it ties to what you give to your heart. Because every year your heart should expand and there should be more generosity that comes from your heart. When we are just starting out in our faith, we are very excited but we're also, it's okay, we're dealing with a lot of selfishness. Where I want to be, what I want to do, where do I want to go to church, what fits my need, what group is for me, what do they have for me, I don't know if I like the songs, I don't, it's all me focused. That's not bad. We understand that and, and our church is here to minister to that group. You know what I'm saying? We're like, we're not judging that group, that's just it. But the truth of the matter is once they begin to center the word, once they begin to give, once they begin to invest, once they begin to do, their heart begins to expand. And then the next thing to sown is not a begrudges thing, begrudgingly. It's not because of a necessity, but it's out of a cheerful heart that God says, hey, you know what? Hey, I want you to go ahead and meet this need or do this thing or give this time or whatever. And you're like, okay, because my heart and my capacity is expanding. Come on. Is this good? Is this good? Okay, so for us, 
the assignment for today, I'm going to give you two thoughts today and two thoughts next week. But we've got to be ready to give. Be ready to give. Be ready. Some of you are like, I'm ready. It almost indicates that there is some preparation that has to happen before you can be ready. I don't know anybody who shows up ready, honestly. If you have a business meeting, your preparation is picking out your outfit and being able to communicate effectively what you're trying to sell or communicate to those who are listening. You don't just have to wing it. And if you do, you'll only wing it once. I, I have, well, there are people in our church that have to present to a board or they have to present to different people. And, and I don't know anybody who doesn't study and is up all night doing preparation in order to present. Does that make sense? When people come over to your house to visit, you're not like, hey, yeah, come on over. You're like, if they ring the door, ding dong, hey, what are you doing? We want to come in. You can't come in. Why? Because you didn't give us two weeks notice. You, you don't know about our friendship? There's a two-week notice. I didn't do the baseboards. You're crazy. You're not walking in my house. You're not walking in my house. Come on. you. We like preparation. Come on. Some of you, 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 you your friendships, you're, you're just so annoyed when that last-minute friendship is like, Hey, what are you doing in five minutes? You're like, I'm doing my laundry. Because it's time, I'm meal prepping. That's what I'm doing. I do this every time. I'm meal prepping. And they're like, no, we're going out here. We're going to do this. It's going to be crazy. And you're like, no, not. I'm not going. You could have told me a week ago. I'd have been there. Come on. How many of y'all, that's you. Be honest. I'm not going. And it's not because I don't like you. I just don't like this right now. I don't like it. It's like a roller coaster. I don't want to wish. So here, here's the thing, is there's got to be a little bit of preparation. And, and I think that with the curves and the dips and the flips of life, Abraham is going to teach us something. So let's get into this. There are four kings from the north, and there are five kings from the south. Come on, the dirty south. And the, the south is, they're like, yo, we're not going to do it your way anymore. Like, we're not going to do it the way you want us to do it. We're not going to pay your taxes we're not going to submit to your laws and practices, and we're not going to serve you. So the kings of the north come down, and they fight every kingdom in Canaan. And so basically what it would be like is there were cities in the land of Canaan, and the city, each city had a king. So it would be like the king of Rogers taking all of the men and going to fight the king of Bentonville. You know what I'm saying? Stop it. We don't like them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for that highway. <laughs> no. All right. So y'all, listen, y'all get me too feisty. I got to preach here. All right. So this, this, this king, uh, Kidolamer, is the one who's really heading up everything. He builds the coalition, and they're about to go down, and they really destroy every kingdom in their path. They pass these uh, five other kings. They go down and whoop all these dudes down here. And then they come back and they meet in this valley. And it's like, what's up? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like step off, but like with swords. You know what I'm saying? They're all meeting face to face. 
and we're going we're going to get after this. Here, so here's the, here's here's the verse. Let's read there, Genesis chapter fourteen, verse eight. Then the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah and the king of Adma, the king of um, Zeboim, the king of Bela, went out and joined in the valley of Siddim. Okay, so they're they're all there. They're getting ready. The king, Kidalamer, what's this? Let me see it right here. Right here. Hold on. Kidalamer, uh, the king of uh, Tal, the king of Aphram, Amraphel, the king of Arioch. All of these kings are now getting ready to fight. Now then, in the valley of Siddim, was full of bullman pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled into them. That was that was tar. Okay, that's the stuff that they used to build with. They fled and they fell into these tar pits and they lost. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, okay, then they took Lot, the son of Abraham's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom and his possessions, and they went their way. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram, the Hebrew, who was living in the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, the brother of Iscal and Aner. These were out. Don't, no, Aner, I think we can do better. Like if you're having children, I don't know. I mean, do what you want to do, but Aner, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sounds like a body part. I don't know. <laughs> Stop. Okay, I'm sorry. I know. This is night service. I usually don't do that. My bad. Uh. <laughs> All right. These were allies of Abram. If there's an Aner in the room, I'm sorry. So if your middle name is Aner, uh, I, if you're watching online and you're an Aner, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> All right. What do y'all want to talk about? <laughs> when Abram heard this, that his kingsmen had been taken captive, he led a force, listen to this, of trained men born in the house, born in his house, 318 of them, and went and pursued them as far as Dan. And when he divided his force against them by night, and he as his servants, uh, they de defeated them, pushed them to the north of Damascus, and when he brought, then he brought back all the possessions, and also brought back the kinsmen, uh, kinsmen Lot, with his possessions, and the women and the people. So, so here's the thing. I'm going to give you two thoughts. That I think we should know if we're going to be in, uh, if we're going to prepare to be givers. The first one is this. We've got to be diligent in preparation. Diligent in preparation. I want to spend some time here talking about diligent in preparation. There is no doubt that God was doing something supernatural. We are a supernatural church. We believe in the supernatural. We believe in healing. We believe that God is moving. We believe that God speaks. We see it from the Bible that God wants to have a relationship with us. And we believe in supernatural things. But here's the thing. There is also natural. And supernatural and natural, God will use both of them. Supernaturally, God was speaking and navigating Abram 
to move from his place where he grew up into a brand new land and create a brand new nation. He could not navigate that on his own. He did not have that thought. That was not a dream. That was not on his goal vision board. Come on, somebody. That was not where he cut out the magazine clips and was like new nation stuff. That wasn't what he was doing. That was supernatural. And we believe that God has put some supernatural ideas in your heart and in your mind. But what I love about Abram is that he is preparing and he's not waiting on God to do it. He's obedient to follow but he is training and developing and building infrastructure. Come on. And building government and building security. And he's building while he's waiting. And I don't know who I'm talking to today. But you feel like you're waiting on God. And God is saying, what are you building? Because today matters. Come on, somebody. Today matters. Preparation matters. What are you doing today? Because here's what I want you to see. Is many times God advances his agenda through problems. Problems. Somehow, some way. Problems are the enemy in life. But I, what I want you to know is that when this was a problem for Lot, his family, his possessions, everything was taken. Come on, we all have roller coaster moments. I remember when our kids were born prematurely and we didn't know and running up and back from uh, McDonald's house, staying overnight, trying to get into the NICU. There are roller coaster moments in life. But some problems are to build an opportunity and capacity in your life. Come on. And what I need you to see is the one thing you can't do when an opportunity comes is practice. We read this story and we go, oh man, he had 318 men. Okay. Who were trained and ready. Don't skip over that. In other words, Abram was ready for the fight that had not come yet. And he was preparing the people in his home to be ready for an attack of the enemy. Because he knew what God was going to promise him was going to exceed where he was currently at. So he began to work. Everybody pick up a stick. Whack. Oh, Abram, what are you doing? Next time it will be a sword and they're all going to take your stuff. If we get what God blesses us with, you're going to have to defend it. If you get, come on, listen, if you get that job, someone's going to want it. If you get that position, come on, listen, if you get that house, someone's going to be jealous. If you get the enemy's going to, what I'm telling you is when God says you're going to increase, you also have to manage, you have to protect, come on, you have to begin to do some things in order to keep what God gave you. I wish y'all could hear me. Come on. Come on. At our church, we are training leaders. We don't know what tomorrow looks like. I don't know what politically is going to happen in 15 or 20 years. But I am telling you, we are after the 318. Right now, we got about 127. And we going up. 
leaders, men, women. And I'm just going to tell you, we are going to be a church that is masculine. We are going to be a church that allows men to lead. Come on. And that is not at the, the, the oppression of women. We're going to let women lead. We're going to, there are places for women here to lead. And if you look around, they're everywhere. But, but we're not, we're, we're going to have men that say, here we go. 318, baby. I'm leading my family. I'm leading my character. I'm leading what God's given me. And I realize that every day, today matters. And I've got to work like something may happen that I don't know. And here's the deal. You can, you can try to have adversity happen in your life and cram the Bible. Or you can read and understand the Bible and adversity happen and it just come out of you. But here is what I do know. You don't know what's waiting for you in the next 10 years. And every day that you're alive is a supernatural gift that you have to prepare. Prepare. Come on. Today matters. That's why we want you to go through our growth track. That's why we want you to do framework. Then we want you to do freedom. We want you to meet the Holy Spirit. We want you to be, listen, I'm not saying you won't, still won't go to counseling, but you will have a counselor that lives up and in you. Come on, somebody. And you'll begin to communicate and begin to speak to him and begin to do. And, and we cannot get you leading if you're not free. The first time someone rejects you, you're going to melt like a... <laughs> You're going to be going to different churches every three months because someone hurts your feelings. 318. After framework, we want you to go into leadership. After leadership, we want you to go to finances. After finances, we want you to go to parenting. After parenting, marriage. After, and then we're, we're writing more content. In the next couple of years, we're going to have apologetics. We're going to talk about God and government and how God set up government and how, why government and politics and politics is not bad. But we're going to talk about, we're going to teach our people. And I believe that there are going to be people in our church that sit on school boards. There's going to be people in our church that sit, come on, listen, that run and, and mayors and counselors. And, uh, you know, I, I believe that we're going to be an active part. But we're not going to be the church that wishes everybody else did it. We will not be that church. The justice of the peace, the businesses, the leaders, the, the, the people who are, who are leading. Now, we may not be there right now. We may be in our infancy. You know what I'm saying? We're five years old. We're, you know what I mean? We're, that's where we're at. But in 15 or 20 years, you're going to see businesses. You're going to see, like, we're, we're going to have classes on. If you're an entrepreneur, we, we want to help you. We're, we're going to begin to move this thing forward because I don't know what business looks like in 10 years. But I know we're fixing to be ready. We're going to be ready. Today, you can clean your car. You can clean your room. You can clean your closet. You can clean your bathroom. Today, you can set a budget. I remember when we, we, we got married, and we sat down with someone, and they were like, so what's your budget? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, how do you, how you track your money? I'm like, track? It's like 666 stuff to me. We don't track it, my house. 
say, no, right now. I'm like, no, no, how do you, how do you watch your spending? <laughs> I watch it leave. You know what I'm saying? And so finally my wife was like, they mean write it down. Uh, I'm like, eh. <laughs> we, we, we stood up all night. We, we got it all night. We're like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to be fast. going to be awesome. We typed everything. That's type. That was how I typed. We wrote everything out. Because isn't it crazy? Listen, listen. When you're not, when you're really not disciplined, you reorganize. Have you learned that about life? We're going to clean the whole everything. Okay, I don't know how to put stuff back, so we're just going to wait until it's terrible, and then we're going to throw it all away. We don't really manage. We just, like, reorganize. So anyway, we, we began to do this. Oh, my God, it's going to be awesome. We're going to be, oh, look at that. We did it for, like, three days. Come on, look, like, there was a flat on the tire. Budget went, it was terrible. We were like, this doesn't work. But you know how many, you know it's crazy how many people tell me that disciplining their children doesn't work. You want to tell me how many people tell me that countless things that the Bible says works, they say don't work. And really, the truth is, sometimes we're not disciplined enough to do it. Today. You can organize your week. Today you can cut up your credit card. Today you can humble yourself and pray. Today you can get up and work. Today you can start tithing. No one tells you what time to wake up. You can wake up. You can get it done. You have 24 hours. Someone needs to prepare today. Come on, somebody. Prepare today. 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 The second thing is this. Is if we're going to be ready to give, then we have to know that love is measured in sacrifice. Sacrifice. That's why we took a moment in our service this morning. In each service, we had men and women stand up who were veterans. And, and in our culture, somehow we have rewritten what love is. In, in fact, love is... Almost like one of those elusive words that it's hard to get your hands around. And most of the time when we think about media and music and culture and, and what's on the television shows, uh, it, love is generalized to mean an intense desire or longing. Basically, it, it's like this idea, the more I want something, the more I'm in love with it. But Jesus defines love differently. Without ambiguity. He, he actually formulates the purest meaning of love. And, it go, and, and this meaning goes deeper than self-interest. It goes deeper than pleasure seeking. Jesus tells us that the true metric of love is sacrifice. Sacrifice. John chapter 15 verse 13. Go ahead and put it up there. It says this. Look at this. John 15 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friend. Come on, that someone would lay down. And here's the deal. It's easy to amen this verse when you're asking someone to do it for you. But it's hard to amen this verse if you're the friend that's willing to lay down the argument 
Lay down the offense. Lay down the frustration. Lay down the, the conversation. Lay down what they did. Lay it. Come on, help me. Come on. What it says is if you're going to be a friend to people, you're actually going to have to sacrifice something. This is a direct challenge to culture. And I would like to submit to you today that the word love has been hijacked. And when we say love, we mean lust. True love is, not, is giving. It's not taking. For God so loved that he, come on, help me, he gave. When was the last time you had an unscripted love moment? Where you didn't do for someone with the motive that this is going to help me in some way. But a, just a total unscripted, I love you, and I'm willing to go out of my way to show you that I love you. Come on, is this, are you hearing me? Abraham immediately when he heard that Lot had been captured, he went to his trained men and they left to go save Lot. I love the fact that he wasn't pontificating about great nations, but he was willing to go sacrifice. Come on, listen. For us to get where God has for us to go as a church, there will be sacrifice. There will be people who decide to come to two services and only sit in one because they're going to go work in the tots and they're, they don't feel like they're babysitting, but they're actually speaking life over young people and purpose and identity. And I want to tell you that God has fearfully, wonderfully made you. You are such a leader. Will you go over there and help me get, I need you to be my helper. Will you walk over there? You know what? There's something about you. Come on, high five. See, see there's, the church advances not with consumerism, but it advances with commitment. Come on, somebody. There, anybody can open their own door, but most people who are coming to a church for the first time have are fearful out in the parking lot about walking in because they don't know what they're walking into and they don't know what if they're going to be accepted and they don't know if they're going to be cared about. But that person opened the door saying, hey, how are you? And not looking past someone, but looking in their eyes where they know you matter and I'm here for you. The church advances through sacrifice. But if God's people won't sacrifice... I think the most frustrating thing for me in, in our culture is that we have stopped sacrificing, but we have a lot of compromise. Like we have a lot of, we don't have a lot of sacrificing, but we have a lot of picketing. We don't have a lot of sacrificing, but we have a lot of demands. Come on, is this, help me. The truth of the matter is, we've got to make sure that we are a church that is sacrificing. And so I want to I just tell you real quick, we are in the middle of a building campaign, and I am asking you to sacrifice. Now, I'm not putting any heavy pressure on you. You go pray 
You are your own adult. And I, I, I expect you to pray. And I expect God to speak to you. But we have had eight vision nights. If you were not able to get to one of our vision nights, we understand. But we have these pamphlets in the Next Steps room. If you will go there. Also, your Connect card, everything. Go meet us in the Next Steps room. Here's the thing. We realize that if you feel something out in our church, you may not want to talk to someone. You're just trying to figure out if you even want to come back next week. We get that. But we are praying that there is a moment when you will take that Walking through that curtain, and it, there's windows there, so it's not like, come into our cave. <laughs> come on, we have a treat for you. <laughs> it's, like, it's not weird. But if we open the curtain up and we begin to turn on the light, we know that that's a spiritual threshold because what that is saying is, I'm moving out of the shadows and I'm taking a step to be known. And, and here's the deal. I just want to FYI. We can't know you if you don't let us. We can't know you. I've been going to that church for four weeks and we don't know you until you make a step. Okay? So if you want to know what's going on, all of the information is in here. Um, uh, but, but I want to give you just a few things real quick and then we'll get out of here. Um, so this is the plan of our building. Uh, right, right. So the red is the children's area. We have the auditorium, the foyer. Uh, we're putting in new bathrooms. Uh, we got a kitchen, and uh, um, it's just, it's just going to be awesome. So this whole location right here is about eleven thousand nine hundred square feet. And obviously, you can see we're at a night service. We, if all of you came to the first service, we couldn't do it. Okay, and so we've had to grow services to facilitate people. Um, this is what we feel like God has. Ask us to build, wants us to build, and so this is not about a building. I just need you to know this. We don't care about the building. We care about people. And, and if this is your first time coming to our church, we do not stop and talk about finances every week. Uh, but I want to let you know because we're in the middle of this now. All right, go to the next one. We, we are, this is, we, so we just did all the demo. This is what it looks like. Come on, is that exciting? That's good. That's fun. That's fun. All right, and so we've worked really hard. We've got everything, and now we're ready to put some stuff back. Go ahead and go to the next one. Next slide. This is the amount that we need to raise. We need to raise this. We're hopefully going to be in our new place by April. And I know what you're thinking. That's a lot of money. And I know you could be going, who's going to write that check? And so you, I know you want to go outside and find out what everybody's driving. But here's what I want to tell you. Listen, the truth of the matter is, I'm praying that we all do it. I'm praying that we all are able to invest. And here's the deal. I don't know how God's going to do it, but I know that God doesn't put more than we can handle. And I know the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. So here is how we're wanting to do it. First of all, let me give you just, go ahead and go to the next slide real quick. So, just to let you know, we put $700,000 down on the Olive Street building, okay? $700,000, that's what we put down. We took a loan out for $2.1 okay, to put another $700,000 to finish that property because it was $1.4 million. 
then we have 1.4 million to do the build out. The the amount that we are have a shortfall is the 450, and that is all of the FF&E furnitures, fixtures, equipment. That is all the sound, the lights, the that is all of that stuff. And we really believe. Listen, we. We really believe that that is the stuff we shouldn't finance because we don't want to add interest on things that depreciate. The building pretty much is going to, I mean, we're talking about, you know, less than about 75000 extra. Is, this building is going to be built, the walls, the whatever, whatever. We're talking about all the extra things that's going to make it these speakers, you're like, let's just take those speakers. Well, these aren't ours. We actually have never had to buy a sound system. Uh, we, we, we bought something in the back, but this came in with the building. So everything costs. You understand what I'm saying? And because of the last couple of years, everything's more expensive. Uh, what we could have got for 80000 now it's 120000 That's just where we're at. So that is what we are raising. We pay $11,000 in rent here. For six acres, for 5,500 more square feet, it is 11,900. For $900 more a month, we are going to get the ability to grow, care for people, pastor, have a kitchen, serve our community. Does that make sense? You know, so that, that's, that's, that's where you clap because that, that's good. That's good. All right, go to the next one. Next slide. So, here's what we're asking you to do. Everybody, we're going to do a little stretch in church, a stretch. In front of you, there's one of these cards. Please grab it. It's okay if you don't, you can burn it in effigy when you get home. Okay. But let's just look at it. Okay. We are asking for the next two weeks, we're going to be handing out these cards. Come on online. Um, we are asking for you to go with your family and pray over what you would do. This is a commitment card. It's not an accountability card. I'm not calling you. The bank's not calling you. We're just wanting to know starting January the 1st. So you don't, you don't bring any money for this. Over the next two weeks, we're wanting you to pray. We have a devotional that's on our app and on the website, and we want you to do it with your family. And on the 21st, we're going to bring these back and we're going to put them in the tithe and offering envelopes. And we're asking for people to commit over their tithe what they're going to do in the next nine months from January to September. Okay? So here's the thing. Every little bit helps. And here's what I want to say. Most of us grew up in a church that we did not have to build. And now we get to build this one. You know what I'm saying? That we get to build this one. That we get to build one. And so the greatest investment for your legacy is to build something that will outlast you. Okay. So we're wanting you to pray and do that. So, so have that. Take that home. Here's what we're going to do this year. Okay. So that's for next year. We're doing starting January. Going all the way nine months will be done at the end of September, and I will send you a letter saying, here's what we did, okay? That's pretty much the investment. So I'm asking you to pray and get it from the Lord. All right, go to the next slide. December the 5th, we've been doing this since we started, Heart for the House offering. 
We are asking for you to come and bring an offering that is above your tithe that is significant. We are asking for this service. Don't be absent on this service. Change your plans. If I'm not there, I don't have to. Get, like, like, you can go, you can give on the app. It says heart for the house. But we are asking for a significant gift on this so that we can get at least halfway there. We're praying that we can buy half of our stuff that we need. So I'm praying for $150,000 for that, for that one offering between all of our services. So that means that someone's going to have to sacrifice. That means someone's going to have to say yes. Come on. And I think that if we all do it, we'll get there and we'll be amazed. The last thing that we're going to do is this. Is um, many people who come to our church, even watching online right now, Many people who are watching online are encouraged. They listen to our podcasts. They are hearing about what God is doing here. Maybe they have parents that live in another state. We're not asking that they tithe here. But I believe that they can give an offering to see the body of Christ advance and to see the church, come on, listen, advance. And there are a lot of businesses. And let me just say this, on a business level, a thriving church that's going to preach the word and call men to courage, accountability, that's going to call women to, to identity, is going to make a greater workforce than it's going to take away. And I believe there are people that want to see a good life-giving church progress, move forward. So here's what we're asking. On this day, we're asking you to write a little bit about what God's done with you since you've been at the house and and just see if people want to give. And put, we'll have a group, we'll have a GoFundMe or whatever we're going to do, but we're asking for that to be another way. So between these three ways, we believe that we're going to get there and we're going to help people. Ben, go ahead and come up. Here, 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 as we finish tonight, Abraham teaches us this. Okay, Abraham teaches us this. Listen to this thought. Sacrifice is always hard, but it's always worth it. I don't believe that Abraham was thinking, this is a great opportunity. Let's let all the kings kill themselves. Then we'll go kill the last king, and then ba-bing, we're the big thing now, baby. I don't think he was thinking that. I think his heart was just to give. Yes, there's been tension between me and Lot, but I'm going to go and I'm going to do what I know I can do and what we are trained to do. And out of that, here God says, I'm going to give you all this land. And he turns a problem into an opportunity. And then after this moment... A covenant and a blessing comes on Abram. His name changes. And here's what I think God was waiting for. Listen to this. This is very important. I believe God holds us back with our destiny until we learn how to give. Because if we don't know how to give and we begin to get, then we are extremely selfish and self-absorbed and we make everybody serve us but when we begin to go I will put my life on the line for someone that I had an argument with 
then God is like, that's the person that I want to make my nation after. That's the person I want to bless. That's the person that I'm going to reward. And here's what happens. His whole life begins to take off. And that's what we're praying for you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.